It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in here to Talent Talk and joining me here. It's a Tuesday, so we are live. Uh, coming to you from Orange County, California, and I have uh, two wonderful guests to, to bring in in just a moment. Um, you know, in case this is the first time you're tuning in, or maybe it's been a little a little while, it's a little quick reminder of kind of why the show exists and what we're trying to do here. Um, you know, I, I have the really the, the privilege of meeting so many inspiring leaders and uh, people who have something important to say, um, or maybe have have made a million mistakes and been through it all and now have this incredible wisdom uh, for us all to, to hear and to understand. So uh, instead of me being the only one to maybe hear this information or uh, have it in a, in a conversation at a conference or at the bar or, or on the telephone, whatever it may be, um, instead, kind of have this show here so we can have the conversation and anyone can tune in and listen and um, even be a part of that conversation. So many of you come in and... Um, be a part of that conversation there through the podcast. We do that later. We also broadcast into iHeartRadio uh, and on OC Talk Radio. So um, it, it's uh, really been uh, great to see how many of you are coming in. I think we have just about over 10,000 a day and one of those feeds coming in listening to a show. So I really appreciate everyone's um, uh, being a part of the show and uh, listening and, and really enjoying the, the different guests that we have. So uh, as I mentioned, if you want to be a part of today's show, you can send us questions, comments, whatever it may be. Uh, we use Twitter for this. And uh, you can just submit your tweet to at PeopleG2. Use the hashtag Talent Talk. Uh, we actively watch that. So my producer, Mike, will try to feed me in any live questions if they come in. And if it's after the fact, myself and guests, we will certainly comment, contribute, and be a part of the conversation if you'd like to get us there. So uh, my two guests today, my first guest uh, will be uh, Jason, uh, excuse me, Jason Leverant, the president and chief operating officer at Atwork Group. After Jason, he'll be followed in by my second guest, Ryan Kohler, the CEO of Applicant Pro. So let's go ahead and get my first guest in here. Uh, Jason, welcome to the show. Hey, Chris. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, it's definitely an honor. Oh, well, glad to have you and uh, can't wait to see what we can learn from you. But let's start with the obvious. The basic question is, tell us about yourself what we should know about you, and, of course, what does your company do over at AtWork Group? Awesome, awesome. Well, I appreciate that. And then, so, so I've been with AtWork, uh, AtWork for going on uh, 11 years now. I started in October of 2007 and actually had uh, was previously with uh, a you know, large international staffing firm and, and prior to that actually ran uh, and did national marketing for Dunlop uh, Golf, so an actual golf manufacturer uh, living the dream in the golf industry there. 
but uh, but no, the staffing industry has been absolutely wonderful, and, and at work group is uh, a bit different than traditional staffing firms in the fact that we're actually a franchisor of staffing services. So we're actually helping entrepreneurial-minded individuals to get their foothold into the staffing industry, helping you know train them and support them, provide them the infrastructure and the brand to uh, to really give them the means to enter this space, to grow their own business, and, and build something that's their own. So a little bit different animal than a traditional staffing firm, but also providing a significant tactical advantage uh, to us in our positioning, our go-to-market strategies, and things of that sort. So, you know, that's uh, kind of us in a very 30,000-foot view uh, nutshell, and we'll be digging in a little bit on some of, some of the details around it. So. Well, it sounds like an interesting model. I'm not sure I've heard of. Yeah, certainly there are large uh, players in the space that I'm sure have franchise offices and things like that, but it's sort of as your main uh, focus, it's certainly an interesting uh kind of avenue, I guess, into the space. Um, yeah. What is it? You know, yeah. we're, intro- we're introducing people to the industry, so it's kind of unique. A lot of people haven't heard of staffing. You know, they, they look at, you know, business opportunities. You know, some are very clear and they come to us. They know exactly what they want. Others, we're helping them understand how, how great the industry really is and the opportunity that presents itself. So, sorry, go ahead. Well, I remember, you know, uh, different times wondering, yeah, maybe I'll go into a franchise and it's, okay, well, which franchise should I look at? You know, which one, what are the costs and what are your... What can oh, yeah. you make and things like that? So I'm sure maybe you're getting some of those people, right, that, as you mentioned, don't necessarily know what about staffing or how that works. That may be coming to you. And are they maybe looking at you versus a subway or, or something like that? Sometimes, yeah. I mean, they look at sometimes different uh, industry types. A lot of times, uh, you know, people know what they're looking for and they'd be looking for a, a business services type uh, industry. And so, you know, we come up on the radar through searching. And then when people start peeling back the layers and seeing what it's all about, you know, again, it's a it's a great place to be. We can make an impact in communities. It's great work life balance, relatively low cost to entry. So, you know, it's lots of positives for people joining. And we've had such great success in our in our franchise organization and been able to position Outwork as a brand. Uh, you know, really, uh, really high. I mean, really, in the last five years, Outwork has grown from a brand perspective. You know, to a to, you know greater than it ever has been, and it's so exciting to see you know that really come about through. You know the direct efforts of, of the team that, that we built here. So. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, what is it that you think you've done in your time in network that really maybe kind of separates you from the competition? Um, I guess maybe not just in the staffing industry uh, where you're you're having your franchisees go, but maybe also just from a franchisor standpoint. Oh yeah, yeah. So it, it's interesting because I, uh, you know, in thinking about. You know what kind of got us here today, and, and so just I, I didn't give you in my backstory, but I took the the, the president's position. I took the helm. We're a privately owned organization. The owner's still very active in the business. Uh, to, you know, kind of working working with me. Uh, he, he works remote out of uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, and I joke with him all the time that I hear from him more when he's in Scottsdale than when he's here in Knoxville, Tennessee, and East Tennessee. You know, two two desks down from me. Um, but at the, at the end of the day, I took the the helm in twenty uh, end of 2011, 2012, and really enacted a tremendous amount of change. One of the primary focuses was to take this brand, the very, you know, the, the Atwork name, the Atwork brand has such great, um, you know, feel to it. It very, it speaks very much around work and what really what we do. And, uh, we, you know, we, you know, have pretty phenomenal, uh, you know, internet IP and, and our domain ownership and what we have there. And, and so my whole thought was we may be a small, relatively small franchise or of East Tennessee. Uh, out of East Tennessee, but let's think big. Let's position as if we're a you know 800 unit uh, 
extremely large uh, staffing franchise. Let's go with the tools and resources. Let's provide those to our franchise owners that the large international players provide to their branches. There's no reason we can't or shouldn't do that. So it's all about that positioning and that brand awareness. Really good marketing, really good public relations helps us position that uh, that you know that whole idea of, of that appearance. You know, think big, and we will and we'll become big. And that's really what's kind of uh, happened. That coupled with the fact that the focus, you know, my focus personally, when I took the role, uh, was to focus on improving everything we do on a daily basis. You know, the whole idea of, uh, you know, this whole idea of it's not broke, don't fix it. You know, throw that out the window. You know, I, you know, I've got a, a book that actually makes the statement. It's kind of interesting. It's, it's if it's not broke, you didn't look hard enough, fix it anyways. And so that's kind of our approach. We're looking at what we're really doing on a day-to-day basis and where we can find improvement. And we're not going to sit here and, you know, try to try to um, you know, say we're always doing things perfectly. We always are looking to improve. And so that focus on continuous improvement has helped really drive our position in the marketplace. It's helped really drive our just exponential growth, growth from a, a branch count, from a revenue perspective. Um, you know, really name a key KPI in the staffing industry, and we're hitting on all cylinders. So. And so is part of your business model, I mean, obviously you're introducing people to this space and obviously providing them some sort of a, you know, framework, but are you also kind of doing like the back office and some of the parts that they are maybe are the less sexy parts? Oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, are they, yeah. Are they sort of focusing in on just the in general, yeah. part? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So staffing is, uh, you know, when you're trying to sell somebody to, to enter the staffing industry, you realize staffing, it, it's not a sexy industry. It's not a... Uh, you know, there's lots of cool brands out there, but, you know, we try to make staffing as cool as we can. But you're, you hit it on the head. We do the, the full service. We do front and back office, payroll funding, you know, all the branding and marketing, you know, website, software, you know, everything packaged in a tight package, and we're extremely cost-effective. We've actually positioned against every staffing uh, franchise, every one of our direct competitors in that space, and against independent ownership. And it's the whole idea of bundling. We position as the most cost-effective solution for somebody who wants to enter the staffing industry. And it's because, you know, we have big buying power. We're able to bundle these things together and offer a really great competitive solution to our franchise owners. And, and again, we're very aware of what goes on in the market you know, from a financial perspective. In the franchising world, it's funny because, you know, the Federal Trade Commission requires that we disclose absolutely everything. So it's relatively public knowledge of what our fees look like, how they play. So we always are benchmarking ourselves against the competition, not only on a, on a quantitative, but also on a qualitative analysis. How do we position against them as a brand? How do we position against them in our service to support those intangible, fuzzy-type items? Going back to that fact of service is, is critical. As a franchisor to our franchisees, service is critical. And so that's really where, you know, that, that translates down into go-to-market strategy as a staffing firm as well, too, differentiates through service. So. Yeah, and it, it, it can be a tough market uh, to be in. I mean, a lot of our clients are staffing companies. We do a good amount of work, if not, you know, somewhere near mi- uh, half of our work is with staffing and that vertical. So certainly understand uh, things that can happen and also some of the challenges, right, and some of the things that you have to kind of come up against uh, in that uh, very unique vertical. Um, you, you talk about, uh, maybe you could talk about for a second what your, uh, your name uh, as your mission for At Work Group um, sort of at work for you being that mission. Okay. So how does that really inform the culture and how does that really drive results for in, internally and, and, and with your franchisees and, and sort of that, that uh, ecosystem that you are kind of impacting? Well, it, a great question. And that's uh, it, it's funny because back when I took to Helm in 2012, one of the first things we did was kind of look at our mission statement 
And, you know, it was one of those traditional you know, corporate canned mission statements that people knew existed but didn't really hold a lot of clout in most people's minds. So we really wanted to look at that side of it and give us, you know, some kind of an underpinning of, of you know, really something we could point at to help push towards the results we're trying, the desired outcome we're trying to obtain. And so when we looked at what we're trying to accomplish as a service-based organization, as a franchisor to our franchisees, and subsequently our franchisees, our staffing business to their clients and their employees, this whole concept of that work for you has always been a, a kind of a tagline in, in our business, but it resonated so well with what we were really trying to accomplish. As a franchisor, we're at work for our franchisees. Our franchisees, our staffing branches, are at work for their customers and their employees. That, that whole idea of a service a company really embodied in those in those three words or, or four words if you <laughs> not use our brand name in there but this, <laughs> this whole concept really drives who we really are and what we do um, we've, we've kind of buckled three core values onto our, our mission statement this whole idea of lead empower and sell you know servant leadership uh, excellent service excellence in the marketplace and the empowerment of our owners as franchise owners and as owners of their own small businesses under our framework uh, to make local decisions, those underpinning under this whole mindset, this uh, new kind of umbrella of that work for you, that hyper focus on service has truly helped. I, I feel like personally, drive our success in all of our local markets. Drive those those, those three to four times uh, year over year, you know, uh, uh, over industry levels growth rates that we're seeing today. So. Well, given your uh, approach, uh, it doesn't surprise me at all that you were named one of the top 100 most influential people in staffing, uh, I think three years uh, running. So what do you uh, feel, you know, has kind of occurred under your leadership that really has helped you guys stand out and you specifically, but also your organization uh, to kind of be named that influential leader? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, and actually I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I was actually, this is actually my fifth year being named, which is kind of cool. And not to say, you know, anything about that, but it's interesting. Uh, you know, five years in, I'm 37 today. So I, I was first recognized at, at the age of 32. Uh, you know, again, going back to the fact of thinking big, it, it's going back to the fact of throwing yourself all the way in the deep end. You know, as, as a young professional in the staffing industry, you know, five years ago, I had no idea I'd be included in these lists. Um, but it's really just focusing on the fact that you can make an impact in the industry by getting involved get out there, you know, if you want to make an impact. And a lot of it has to do with people's personal motivation and drive to do just that, to make an impact in the industry. So, you know, my focus has always been, again, when I took took my role in 2012, focusing on that continuous improvement, continuing that, that theme throughout, uh, you know, the last five, you know, seven or five, six, seven years now, it's always been focusing on improvement. And my thought is not only improving at work, if I can improve the industry that we play in, I know how we compete against our competition. I know how we compete against other staffing firms. And when we go to market, it's much stronger based on a lot of the value propositions that a franchise-based staffing office brings to the table. If I make the industry a better place for everybody, it's X time, three, three to five times X better for us because we're performing that much better than the industry. So again, with that whole idea of improving at work, taking it to the next level and improving the entire staffing industry, taking action to do that, getting involved with the local state chapters, getting involved with the different task forces and section committees and things of that sort, you know, that's how you really get out there, stand up as a leader in the industry and are able to be, make an impact. You're able to have a voice that's heard. So, you know, again, it's something that uh, I'm, I'm definitely passionate about. I feel like, especially for our, our franchise system, anybody who has an ownership stake in a staffing business, you know, this is where you're playing. This is how you're, you know, really uh, uh, making an impact in your community, making an impact in your, you know, self professionally, 
you know, putting putting money in your pocket and, and food on your family's table, you know, throw yourself in the deep end and get involved. So again, taking that approach has really helped drive from the standpoint of influence in the industry and influence in the in our organization for the positive. So I imagine that there's you know there's quite a bit of not only in your work in your own organization to kind of continue to build that culture and create uh, the right paths for you know whether it's innovation or, or just developing that great foundation. You know, maybe you could talk about other some keys to success you think that go into that, and maybe the second part of that is is do you guys add that as a part of of your training and your approach that you sort of ask or implement for your franchisees as well, uh, you know, in in starting a new business? Yeah, I think uh, I think honestly, a lot of it has to come from leading by example and setting that tone and setting that example to create sustainable, lasting impact. You know, if we want an owner to, to replicate certain activities, you have to get to not be the hypocrite about it. You have to lead by that example. So, you know, whether it be getting involved in the industry from a networking perspective on a local level, you know, whatever it might be, you know, getting, you know, rolling up the sleeves and doing it. You know, the team that we've developed here, the sport team is absolutely phenomenal. You know, uh, the, the, you know, for, from my perspective, the strongest support and, and, and staffing team in the, in the industry that we have here in these four walls here at Network Corporate. And, and that's because, again, and everybody's not afraid to roll their sleeves up and get a job done. No matter what that job is, it's getting it's getting the job done. Um, and it's doing what it takes to get the job done. Nobody's, you know, it doesn't matter what your job title is. You know, we're all here to accomplish purpose. You know, for us in our, in our role, it's all, we're all here to serve our franchisees. But if you, you know, as a franchise owner, they're there to support and service their customers and their employees. So at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's leading by example. And that's how we create that sustaining and lasting really mark and kind of, layering in that cultural element as well, too, of setting that tone to say, you know, it's, it's that servant leadership side, it's that, you know, humility at play that really leads to success. So. You know, you mentioned um, just a second ago kind of doing all these things for your franchisees. And I noticed with a lot of companies that your focus is often so much on whatever it is you're developing to somebody else and, and that kind of unique relationship you have. And staffing companies have this, right? When they're they're trying so hard to get the right person in for their client, and you're trying to do what you can for your franchisees. That in these different scenarios, we end up uh, where we kind of where we don't get as much done, or we don't do as well as we should have, is in our own internal talent development because we're so focused on everyone else's development and everyone else's success. So, how do you guys, you know, kind of manage that process, and what are some of the things you do to really help develop your own talent? Well, it's uh, that's a phenomenal question. I'm a huge, huge proponent of talent development from an you know from an internal perspective, and looking for ways to develop our external temporary associates as well. But for, you know, from an internal talent development, I, I know personally how we you know really focus on that. You know, from the standpoint of constantly educating ourselves, constantly spending time, uh, again investing ourselves in the industry with the American Staffing Association and staffing industry analysts and their each individual events that they hold and, and their certification programs. You know, actually, I, I believe myself and our Amy, Amy Bollinger, our learning and development director, are, are the second and third person to ever receive all four ASA certifications. And I think, I believe we're both working towards the SIA certification. So it's really investing in, in, the, in our talent, allowing them, because really from a, from a monetary perspective, it's, it's relatively low. The intrinsic value that that's brought to the table, that personal development that they gain from it, and that, that, that investment, that, that engagement that they reciprocate, is tremendous and it's invaluable and it's it's much more valuable than the, the monetary aspect of the cost to go do these things. To, not to brag a little bit, but hey, you know, at work was the highest 
attended staffing firm at uh, the American Staffing Association Staffing World in Chicago last October. We had the most amount of people at that show. That had a lot to do with uh, a couple of our franchise owners who were very, very engaged and sent a lot of staff, a lot of folks to the event. But it was just a cool little stat to show how engaged at work as a whole, not only the corporate team, but our franchisees are as well, too, in keeping their internal staff educated, up-to-date with the most cutting-edge and staffing trends and educational opportunities, development opportunities, and that will continue. You know, we've, we're sending a very large contingent to the Executive Forum next week in Miami, and I'm sure we'll see quite a few folks at the law conference in the upcoming staffing world in D.C. So. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. We may be at some of those. Uh, certainly, we were at ASA when you guys were there, but um, oh, you yeah. know, and looking at uh, SIA and those are the other ones coming up, uh, we may be... Maybe walk in the halls in the same places, but... Um, Good deal. We'll have to connect, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the things we've been asking, um, kind of a new question this year, um, uh, all of our guests, is Is there a gadget or an app or a process or maybe a habit, just something that you've maybe recently added to your life that has just made things so much better or uh, clearer that maybe you might share with us? Oh, the secret sauce. Yeah, no, I, I have to, uh, I charge for that answer usually enough. No, but, uh, you know, it's interesting what I, you know, in thinking about that question, it's, it's definitely a unique one and I appreciate that. I think one of the best things I ever did, and, and you can insert your, your ecosystem, but I'm, I'm a huge Apple fanboy. And so I went to a full Apple ecosystem where I use a Mac, uh, a MacBook Pro. I use an iPad for travel, iPad Pro actually with a keyboard attachment. I have an iPhone. I have an Apple Watch. Full ecosystem. So I, I have the ability, if I'm working on, you know, my, my desk, uh, at my desk at my MacBook Pro, I can immediately grab my iPad, go to the conference room. It's fully synced. All my notes are there. All my emails are Everything is, is literally linked. I couple that with Dropbox. So I literally have the ability to, to work anywhere and have full access to everything I've ever done, including all my reminders, tasks, calendars, uh, notes, absolutely everything. So my thought would be, you know, insert ecosystem. It could be a, you know, Windows ecosystem. I think they're starting to, develop in that sense a little bit better. But the best thing I ever did was go onto that total kind of cohesive ecosystem. It's phenomenal. I mean, it's phenomenal when you're all, you know, when you, when you set it up properly and that's the key is to get it set up properly. Right. Right. And there's so many different options out there, but, you know, coming up with a system, I'm reading a great book right now called work clean and, you know, it talks about a system of filing, right? If it's, it's great you're going to give you all those pieces of paper off your desk, but if you're going to not properly file them into your cloud, right, into the system you're talking about, in some way that makes sense that you can actually find it later on, you're not really doing yourself any favors. So you've got to have a real distinct approach that can really be helpful. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. To, to anybody. I've been a Dropbox user for since, oh, since beta and, and just absolutely love, love Dropbox as a service. And, you know, I recommend to all of our team, you know, I get mixed, uh, mixed, feedback. We, we don't use the Dropbox for business because I can't get an engagement from all of our employees on that front. But it's uh, it's one of my favorite tools. Uh, and, and literally, uh, from the standpoint of responsiveness, again, going back to service, when I'm on an ecosystem like this, I can respond. I can provide documentation. I can do absolutely anything from anywhere. I might be on an airplane and I can access, you know, uh, an addendum to a franchise agreement that was signed 10 years ago because it's on my Dropbox, which I can access through my iPad on the Wi-Fi on the plane, which is you know, right. crazy enough, but uh, but it's that total ecosystem that allows me to really do that, be that responsive. So tell us what book you're reading right now, or if you're maybe not in the middle of one, what what book you generally suggest uh, that people check out. Well, I, you know, I'm an avid avid reader, so I kind of try to balance my reading between uh, a personal read and then a more of a business based read. 
Um, obviously, one of the one of the kind of go tos that I like to, to suggest is uh, is basically top grading. As a recruiter in the staffing industry, top grading is a phenomenal uh, a phenomenal read to help you identify kind of process driven. I want to say algorithms, but you know processes to to your interviewing. This whole idea of the scorecard, the follow up, uh, the the who hiring by Jeff Smart, Brad Smart's uh, son, is uh, is kind of a you know, just as good right there alongside it. Almost a, a good AP read. Um, one of the ones I'm, I'm on, on deck to read, I just purchased, uh, was The Ultimate Question, uh, which is talking about Net Promoter Score. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Net Promoter Score methodology. I haven't read this one yet, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to reading it um, just because it's a, a, a phenomenal uh, methodology specifically tailored to the service industry. I feel like it's a great metric. Um, you know, we're big right. you know, uh, NPS uh, fans, and we tout a lot in our differentiator and sales processes. So that's, so that's kind of on deck right now, the ultimate question, 2.0. So. Sounds like some great books for our audience to check out. And final question, uh, how can people get a hold of you if they're interested in maybe opportunities or becoming a franchisee or maybe working for at work group? But what's the best way for them to find out more? Well, you can always reach out to me on LinkedIn or via email. Uh, I'll give you my bat line. It's Jason, J-A-S-O-N, at A-T-W-O-R-K, at work.com. Um, go to our webpage. Again, we own, like I said, we own some pretty phenomenal web property, www.atwork.com, A-T-W-O-R-K.com. Lots of links and, and good information, whether you're interested in a job, a franchise, whatever it might be, those are the places to go. So. Fantastic. Well, uh, thank you so much for being a part of the show today. Uh, really learned a lot. Uh, hopefully, we can have you come back at some point and uh, give us an update on how you're doing and some of the other projects you may be involved in. Excellent, Chris. I appreciate it, and I'll see you next week uh, in Miami. All right. Uh, we'll be right back after this quick commercial break, and we'll bring in my second guest, Brian Kohler. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months, and the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, People G2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system, or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news, or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. Hey, welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. If you're just uh, joining us, you missed a great interview with uh, Jason Leverant, the president and COO of At Work Group. Uh, don't, you can listen to his interview, though. In a couple weeks, we'll post this show on iTunes and iHeartRadio and wherever you can find us, talenttalkradio.com. It'll be everywhere. So, uh, But let's go ahead and bring in my uh, second guest. Don't forget, you can tweet us right now. Any questions you have to at peopleg 2 use that hashtag talenttalk, and maybe throw in a question. Maybe we can uh, stump uh, uh, Ryan here. But uh, we'll bring in Ryan. He's the CEO of Applicant Pro. So, Ryan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself, what's important for us to know about you here for this conversation today, and I uh, need to know more about what you guys do over there at Applicant Pro. Sure, sure, sure. So Applicant Pro has been around for, gosh, just about 12 years. We're a hiring software provider, um, basically help 
small and mid-sized companies improve their hiring results. So some might people some people might think of it as like applicant tracking, but we do a lot more than that. We we really focus on improving uh, the results. So everything from pushing to job boards to managing online applications, etc. Um, as far as about me, uh, you know, probably the most interesting thing. I kind of got thrust into this about 12 years ago. I don't have a background in HR. Um, I studied accounting in college. Decided I hated it when I got done with that. Went into online marketing, and and somebody just asked me to build some hiring software about 12 years ago, and so. You know, I'm always up for a challenge, and so that's that's kind of led us into this path of of building this hiring software platform that's really a little bit more more focused on marketing than just the old school methodology of tracking. Well, I know your description on LinkedIn says that there's a lot about what you, your focus on and drive is a fixer of crappy hiring processes, and I kind of I love that little saying. So, how how many companies have you witnessed that? you know, maybe you guys are helping or maybe you're just sort of observing that really have this kind of a horrible hiring process. Sure. So, you know, right now we work with just over 4,000. Um, but I'll be honest, the right answer is most. Certainly, you know, your Fortune 500 guys and, and you know, your tech companies especially, they, if you look in the in the world of hiring, the, the people with the most demand and the most, you know, money involved in fixing it, so your tech guys and crazy enough, your trucking companies are pretty progressive about their hiring. But your average small mid-sized company, so, you know, 20 employees to a couple thousand, I'll be honest, most of them are really struggling. And and you know this because they constantly are saying they don't find enough qualified applicants. Right, which, and especially in this market, is very, very true. Um, but obviously, I think you're right, the process really matters. Um, and people just expect that maybe they put out something somewhere and that, you know, every applicant's going to get in the line and, and show up to apply for their job. <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, I, I think it's really they expect if they keep doing the same thing they've done or if they, you know, copy what their competitors are doing, that somehow the job seekers, you know, that, that everything will be cool. It'll, it'll keep working, and it's just not. And often the approach that you do might really depend on who you are because you might be a company with 15 people and you're looking for a really experienced executive to bring in. Your company's growing, and you might be competing against somebody who's, you know, $200 million and 10,000 employees, and so your approaches will probably be very different, right? Oh, for sure. For sure, it needs to be, it needs to be based on who you're targeting. That's, I mean, that's really it. Doing the same thing, doing the same thing as everybody else, copying your competitor. I mean, those are all kind of me-too approaches to business and, and not really innovative. So when companies are kind of mirrored and they're kind of stuck in this process, this crappy process, you called it, um, do, do they realize it? and just can't find their way out, like they just don't know what to do, or, or are they actively looking for solutions They just don't know what they are? So I, I think, the, again, the, the guys on the upper side, you know, your, your Fortune 500, your tech companies, they're actively looking. But your average company that we work with, which would be a credit union, a nonprofit, a restaurant, a hotel, you know, just your core people who are hiring in the U.S. right now, um, if they realize it, they're realizing it for the wrong reasons. They're they're looking at it from their perspective and saying we don't get enough qualified applicants. Something must be wrong. Um, but they're generally not affixing that to their process. So I mean, before you could start looking for a solution, you would have to admit that you have a problem, right? Um, and so a lot of times, you know, the world is allowed, and and even you know the HR folks get together and they've allowed these excuses of well, you know, it's it's immigration. It's a lack of qualified applicants. It's our market. It's you know geographic location. All all those things. And while all of them might be true, none of them will fix it. But because we're kind of pointing at the economy, 
or with pointing at competition or, or as a job seeker, nothing will fit them, so they don't know what to look for. So I, I don't know that there's, I mean, if you look at the search results, there's not a lot of people or there's not a ton of HR people in that space out looking for a solution. And, and a lot of times when they do, they're looking at it from their perspective, not the job seeker's perspective. So what sort of long-term damage do, I mean, there's, I think, some obvious things that people can think of, but maybe you could kind of give us an overview of some of the things that you're seeing and that some of the things that people maybe aren't even realizing that happened during this bad hiring process to the organizations. Oh, sure. I mean, the easy one is if you're understaffed, you have a long line, right? You, you show up at McDonald's, if they're understaffed, then it takes longer to get your food, and you might leave. And that's super easy to, to identify, to quantify that. Um, but then you start digging in deeper and you say, okay, well, what if we're staffed up? But the people we have aren't very good, right? You take uh, a hotel. You know, if a hotel can't hire good housekeepers, certainly they can fill the, you know, fill the role and find somebody. Um, but, you know, they give a bad experience to the customer and the customer goes and leaves a bad a review online and it harms the business. Um, so the, those ones are a little easier. Then you get into, you know, I'm a software company and we're a growth company. So, you know, for us, it's not just about maintaining staffing levels. It's about, you know, can we find the, the talent that we need to grow to the next level? And so that's, you know, a little bit bigger problem. Where you really get into it, in fact, there's an awesome study. It's actually Google, Virgin Media, uh, bad candidate experience. So Virgin Media did a study, and they found that they were losing like $5 million a year because the candidates were having a bad experience. So effectively, they said, here's all these candidates. They gave them, uh, your previous caller brought up the NPS score. So they actually gave the NTS um, survey question, how likely would you be to refer somebody to our company, to their job seeker candidates, took all the ones that scored it badly, and then gave that to the marketing team and said, hey, are these people our customers, and what happened afterwards? And what they were finding was that something like 30% of their job seekers were also customers, and after they had a bad experience in the process, they'd turn around and cancel their account and go move to another provider. So I mean, that's the one that's probably the, the biggest one that's lurking out there where we're not, we're not recognizing that, uh, you know, an employer reputation is really just a business reputation. You know, if we offend a job seeker applying to a job, there also might be our customer. And so you start, you know, you don't attach those two together and you start thinking that you're working in this little silo. Um, instead of recognizing that every job seeker applies for a job is also a customer or a friend of a customer or a relative of a customer. And so there's huge, huge amounts down. I mean, Virgin Media was sitting there at $5 million a year. That's huge, right? I mean, it, yeah, I wouldn't even have thought number. to have said, are these people my clients? I mean, you know, these all these applicants coming in, are they also clients? And how's that impacting us? That's, that's huge. You know, obviously, job candidates will probably know when an organization doesn't have its act together, you know, kind of during that, that process. I mean, we have read studies that people often know within the first moments our first hour of starting a new job, whether or not they're going to make it another week or another month, right? That it's already so bad that they've already probably decided that this isn't going to work. Um, so how much is hiring a two-way street, though? So that both the company and the talented job seeker feel like they are in the right kind of place in the right time. You know, how do those two kind of different opposing people come together in the right way? Sure. So, I mean, certainly the job seeker has some, you know, some parts play in this, right? They, they should be applying to jobs they're qualified for and they should, you know, take an active, you know, an active and proactive long-term focus on, you know, what am I going to do with my career? And, 
you know, what kind of company. I, I like what you said within the first, within the first few weeks, they know it's, it's bad. It's actually, if you, if you look at some of the, the concepts around kind of remorse, job seekers start feeling bad about their decision the day they accept the job, um, because of the uncertainty, right? They, they said the pasture will be greener over here. And so they jump ship, they get their two weeks, they, they accept the offer. And from that point down, they start to, to second guess themselves. Um, so certainly the job seekers play a part, but let's be honest, this is all on the employer. I mean, that, that's my perspective. I, I kind of have a different paradigm about it. I, I look at a job opportunity like it's a product. So, and this is what I feel is, is where most employers are missing the boat. Most employers feel like because they're giving the, the new hire cash or their employees cash, that the employer is the buyer and the employee is the seller. So they need to like sell themselves to the company. Um, and so that creates this weird, this weird concept of hiring where the employers say, you know, we, we can make you jump through any hoop we want. And if you don't like it, you must not be that interested in the job. So my paradigm is kind of reverse that. I believe that kind of the job opportunity is the product and the employer is the seller, which means the buyer is always right. Therefore, the job seeker is right. Uh, the employer should be chasing these guys. They should be modeling the entire process around the concept that this this job seeker or this new hire or this employee is their customer. Um, and so that, that creates really interesting parallel marketing, creates really interesting uh, you know concepts that can be lifted from instead of copying your competitor in the HR space, you can copy Apple, you can copy Zappos, you can copy these companies out there who are really good at marketing products. As we kind of talked about before, I mean, you can kind of cop- find someone who maybe is at your level, at your industry, at your maybe uh, has the kind of approach you want to have. Yeah, those, they're great out there. And if you choose someone like a Zappos or a Google, I mean, a lot of these companies flat out tell everyone how they do all this stuff. I mean, they're almost just a complete open book uh, as a way to help other companies and to as a part of their branding that they talk about these things um, at a, such a high level. Whereas, you know, maybe your, your, your next kind of most consistent uh, competitor may not be telling everyone how they're doing it. Uh, but some of these big ones really are sharing quite a bit. Yeah, I think that's, that's actually part of the challenge for the, the HR manager. And, and we're usually dealing with an HR professional, right? So so we're working directly with HR. Um, the challenge is that we tend to dismiss, say, as Apple's or Google, because we're saying, well, we're not them. We don't have their budget. We don't have their brand name, et cetera. So we look at our competitors, and let's be honest, they're all failing at it. And And there's no, it's not just that, like you said, well, the, your competitor or your, you know, somebody more similar to you might be hiding it. More importantly, you have no way to validate that what they're doing is working. And so that's actually the bigger challenge is going, okay, I'm going to copy what my competitor's doing, but I never stopped to find out that they struggled getting applicants too. And right. so we end up just kind of copying each other. I, I tend to be uh, the opposite. I want to copy a totally different industry. So I want to copy marketing, like what works for lead generation. Well, if, if these concepts work for search engines and lead generation, they'll work for hiring. Let's copy what Amazon does for selling stuff. And let's copy what blog blog people do for generating traffic to their blog instead of copying another employer. Yeah, and, and, and those those kind of choices can be huge and really change, I think, a lot of, of the success and kind of candidates uh, companies get. So. I mean, let's just assume for a moment they can get their act together on their own, or maybe they bring in a company like yours to help them do that. How, however they get to that point, 
do they need to start looking into different places to find the best candidates and the most talented individuals? Or is it more about the process than necessarily the, you know, exactly where they end up shooting that arrow to, to find the right person? Sure. So I, I think um, all of the above. So I, I kind of look at, let's, let's imagine the hiring is fishing. So, you know, we start off with certainly you're, you're saying, are they fishing in the right hole? Are there actually fish there? Um, and so if we assume that, say, the online job boards, they like an Indeed or a ZipRecruiter or, you know, Google for jobs, we assume there's fish there. Well, maybe the bait we're, we're using is bad. And, and that's honestly the number one problem right off the bat. You know, they take this legal review job description, they throw it out there on Indeed. It sounds like the most boring job on the face of the planet. And then they wonder why qualified job seekers aren't just super excited about it. So certainly part of it is, hey, get a job ad that actually sounds exciting. If you want to attract a, you know, an excited job seeker, then fish with good bait. But then you get from there, and there's, yeah, there's certainly a couple areas that are overlooked. You know, you kind of check the box and throw it on Indeed or Google for jobs. That's where uh, I would say the majority of our applicant flow comes from for our clients would be a free job board. But that's not where the majority of their hires come from. And, and so you have the potential for kind of this, this white noise going on. You know, you get 10,000 applicants from Indeed, but you don't stop to recognize whether they're qualified, meaning you hired them. So the, the best place, I'll be honest, company website and employee referrals. Um, employee referrals specifically, I think, is probably the one of the most overlooked. You know, our company specifically, you know, we're growing at 20, 30% per year as far as staffing levels go. And gosh, last year, about 85% of all of our hires came from employee referrals. That's huge. And I guess, you know, if you can have a process and uh, have your stuff together, right, that your current employees are going to be far more likely to recommend and bring people in. And if you have a broken process, they're probably not going to send their friend or whoever over there to apply for your company, right? Is that part of it? Oh, yeah. I mean, for sure. It starts, I mean, it starts at the very beginning, right? If your employees like working for you, you know, make sure you have a good place to work and you provide them with good benefits. And, you know, they love coming to work. I you know, Applicant Pro is like 80% female, which is super weird in the tech space. Um, and we hire all of these moms. And our moms love working for us. So, you know, you kind of start with that. Well, if they love working for you, then they're going to tell their friends about it. Um, but you got to make it easy for them to tell their friends. So you got to make it easy for them to share those jobs on Facebook. And then you got to reward them for it. Not like, not like if the person stays for 90 days or six months. Like, reward them for the action that you want them to take. I want my employees sharing these job ads. I'm going to pay them when we hire somebody. I'd actually prefer long-term to pay them when we get a qualified applicant. But most of the companies kind of hold hold the payment hostage, like uh, somehow the employees are going to try to screw them over by, by referring a friend who's bad, who will quit in two months. And that's just not, you know, the employee has no impact on it. And for 200 or 500 bucks, they end up just being disenfranchised and kind of demotivated. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just not likely they're going to want to game the system. And if they did, I mean, it really, you find that out pretty quickly. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you're, you're in the screening space, right? I mean, it's the employer's job to make sure that they screen and hire good people. It's the employee's job just to tell, get the word out. You know, I, I think a lot of employers are thinking of their employees like they're recruiters. Like they're going to bring them just a couple candidates that are fully vetted and the best people on earth. Well, the, the cost for that is like 20% of first year salary. So if you're going to pay your employees 10, 20 grand, then maybe you could expect that. I view my employees as marketers. 
I don't, I don't want them vouching for these people. I just want them taking our link to our job and sharing it across social media like a wildfire. And so, you know, and that's for a couple hundred bucks per hire, probably a viable exchange of, of value. Absolutely. Well, you know, one of our uh, kind of fun questions that we're starting to ask our, our guests here this year, and we'll see if you have an interesting answer for us, is, is there a gadget or an app or a process or something that you've added maybe to your life recently that you might share with the audience? Sure. So my favorite one, and my employees will think this is funny because I, I like to promote the crap out of this company in the past couple weeks here, is called Vidyard, V-I-D-Y-A-R-D. They're a Chrome extension. So you install a little Chrome extension, a little, little tiny icon shows up in Chrome. And what it does is it lets you capture really rapid video screen capture with, with a little round circle with your picture in it, a, a video of you. So it's kind of like capturing what you're looking at on the screen and capturing your face and your webcam at the same time. Um, there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of similar things out there to them. The, the biggest thing that we found is we use, we use Google for email, um, is just the, how fast it is. So, so like if, if I have something that I want to explain to my programmers instead of typing out this big long email, I'll just hit record, grab a, you know, grab what I'm doing on the screen, grab my video, and like three seconds later, it's, it's inside of a Gmail and sent over to them so that they can watch the video and do it for themselves instead of me typing up some big long email. And can you repeat the name of the extension again? Yeah, it's called Vidyard. V-I-D like is in video and yard, Y-A-R-D like, like the backyard. Well, fantastic. That sounds like a really cool little tool. I'm already thinking of like five different ways I could use that now and internally for my staff or clients or whatever it may be. So, oh, yeah, the, in- the clients love it. You know, we'll, we'll respond on support tickets that way. So, uh, somebody will ask a question about how to do something in our system. And so we'll just fire up video, walk them through their own system, shoot it over to them. And the client response has been phenomenal. Kind of puts a real life face in what you're doing, but it's actually probably three times faster than typing an email. Right. So. Record a quick video, do a screenshot, show them what to do, and send it on its way. That yep. sounds great. Wondering if there's a book uh, that maybe that you might uh, recommend to our, our audience. Sure. So uh, right now I'm reading a book called Inside Into It, which is kind of the story of how Intuit beat Microsoft um, on their like Quicken and QuickBooks stuff. But I'll be honest, my favorite book called Borrowing Brilliant. One that I love bringing it up to business people because I generally nobody's ever heard of it um, but it basically is kind of a, a process for for solving your problems by looking outside of your industry or, or what you're doing to borrow still right ideas for how to fix it so for instance for us you know we're in the hiring space we're trying to help clients with hiring instead of looking at other hiring companies we look at marketing companies and so you know the job ad is just a blog post and the application process is just a lead form and so we're able to borrow solutions from, say, like an Amazon and turn them into solutions for hiring. So Borrowing Brilliance, one of my favorite books of all time. Well, it sounds like a great book, and you've given us some uh, good things to check out, the Chrome extension, uh, Vidyard, and also the, the book. So probably the most important question here today is how can people find out more about you, more about your company, if they're interested in learning more? Sure. Sure. So, I mean, applicantpro.com is, is the easiest way to get a hold of us. So applicant like a job applicant, pro like professional.com. Um, and actually, if they go there and click on the resources tab, we actually do uh, free webinars for HR people and, and hiring managers. So a lot of the stuff we talk about as far as, you know, writing their job ads or improving the process, 
um, all of that stuff we kind of offer up as education for free or for HR people, it's good for continuing education credit. So yeah, check out optumpro.com for sure. Well, fantastic. Thank you so much for being a part of the show, Ryan. Uh, loved our conversation today and would certainly love to have you come back at some point and give us an update on all the cool stuff that you're doing. Anytime. All Thank right. Thank you. you everyone for tuning in to today's show. Hopefully you've gained something that you can use in your own career in a positive way. Next week I'll be traveling. So we'll be doing a best of show, but uh, kind of uh, doing our, our regular 1 p.m. time slot. But until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2.